All right. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Good. How's it going, Danny? Uh, pretty good. So good to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, man. It's good to be here. I appreciate you having me. It's been uh, six, seven months, I guess. December, yeah. maybe last year. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten to know you quite a bit since then because we've been on, on weekly calls. that have been truly transformational for, for my business. And uh, so thank you. Yeah, awesome. I've enjoyed it. Enjoyed getting to know you and your team and, you know, following along with the, the software products and company. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, let's talk about uh, today the process of, of looking at the numbers in your business and scaling it. You know, for house flippers, people out there flipping houses, wholesaling, all that kind of stuff. Sort of the process of helping, you know, other business owners, other house flippers see, you know, what's happening in their business and then taking it to the next level. Yeah. And, you know, so everybody talks about KPIs and, you know, things like that. Do you want to just jump right in or do you have yeah. something else? Yeah, let's do it. No, it's great. Yeah. So, you know, everybody talks about KPIs and, and things like that and, you know, and some uh, metrics are more important than others. And, you know, it's great. So we can say, Hey, you know, I did 300 deals this year. Well, you know, that's great, but how much did you spend per deal and how much are you netting? So in a flipping business and a wholesale business, to me, what I'm after more than anything else is how much are you making per deal and how much is it costing you per deal uh, to get that, to get that project done. So I'm not so interested in how many deals you're doing. I'm not so interested in how how much you're spending to acquire leads. What I'm interested in is what's your net profit. Let's maximize that. Let's earn the most amount of money with the least amount of time, energy, effort, and spend possible. And let's maximize every channel that we can. And let's maximize every lead that we can so that you're, you're generating something out of every lead as a transaction engineer, uh, you know, thinking what else, where else, how else, who else, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, how much are you spending per deal? So that's what really matters. And then there's some other things that you can track in there as you scale and you add, you know, pieces to your team and your components. But those are the types of things that I really like to do with people is I like to dig into the business, see what they're doing, get, get a hold of the KPIs that they're tracking, if any at all, and then really start to, you know, drill down into that and find out what channels are the most effective. Not all marketing channels work equally in every area. So direct mail is better in some areas. Internet's better in some areas cold calling is better in some areas. Um, you know, so we take a look at those things, we drill down on it. And the great thing about numbers, the great thing about data is it doesn't lie. You know, it's like comps, right? If you're going to do a deal, it's really funny. If you're going to do a deal, you look at the comps and the comps are the comps. It is what it is. The deal is going to sell for what it's going to sell for. But for whatever reason, people don't apply that same methodology to their business and the numbers of the business. So that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and with that being the case, how many times, well, I don't want to say how many times, but do you find it, it's often the case where somebody will tell you they're tracking something and they're really not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people, and it's easy to fool yourself, right? In all kinds of ways. And let, I mean, let's just start very personal. You know, I used to be very overweight and you don't think you eat that much until you start tracking it. Mm. You know, man, I'm gaining all this weight. I really don't eat that much. But if you wrote down every single thing you ate all day long, every day, including what you're drinking, you know, I was consuming... I don't know, five, 6,000 calories a day. But if you ask me if I ate a lot, nah, I don't eat that much. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. But, you know, to me, breakfast was, you know, five donuts and a big old sugared up cup of 7-Eleven <laughs> coffee, right? So, I mean, you know, that's calories. So yeah. when you start tracking things, it really brings to light what you're really doing, just like a workout, right? You can go to the gym and you can bust your tail for an hour, 
you don't know how much weight you moved. You don't know how many reps you did. You don't know what's going on. You might think, man, I did a ton. But if you track it, it's like, oh, gosh, I only did about four sets. But, you know, I was texting in between, ran into my friend. And I was at the gym an hour, and I'm sweating. But, you know, you really didn't do anything. So, uh, or you did a ton, and you might have done too much. And, you know, with marketing, there is a point of diminishing returns. And, you know, a lot of people use the shotgun approach. They'll just say, I'm just going to spend, you know, a ton of money on marketing and, and just throw direct mail out there or just do, you know, pay-per-click. And if I'm generating leads, I just need to spend more and I'm going to generate more leads. Yeah. That's not always the case, you know. So if you yeah. start drilling down on that, looking at where they're coming from, what medium, you know, what channel are they coming from, what's the most effective, then you can really get smart about the business and the numbers will tell you what you need to do. Yeah, so there's a couple pieces to that, right? Because in the past, and I speak obviously from experience in doing this, making this mistake, where I do the measurement, right? I'm like, I need to figure out what am I spending? What am I, you know, what on this marketing and what is it generating as far as leads and deals for my business? And then I'll, I'll make decisions based on that, you know, reporting of those numbers. And then I'll, I'll start doing right. it and realize that I, I could go a year with, with putting out more and more direct mail or, or whatever the marketing channel is. And, and without actually keeping track of measurements to see what's really happening. I was going off those numbers that I initially looked at. So that's one thing that I've made a mistake in doing because things do change yeah. and when you scale. Sometimes the, the scaling doesn't keep pace. Like the numbers change as you scale. And, and what right. started out as like awesome. So I'm going to dump all, I'm going to multiply this, do this, you know, 10 times what I was doing and expect the same results. And that doesn't always happen. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, when you're uh, yeah. kind of losing the train of thought there, but yeah, it's just a different, uh, you know, being consistent with keeping like looking at the numbers, but then keeping track of what's happening with the numbers as you are trying to scale that as well. Yeah. And the interesting thing is to me, um, I really drill down on leads versus deals. So how many deals and what, and how much, generate okay, so what I, what I the first thing i look at what's that yeah, just hold on a minute because we got a little bit of it's cutting in and out just a second there. let me make sure it's not cutting on this key key point here yeah if you would just start back over about keeping track uh, track of the, yeah. the deal part he is not it's not how many leads you're getting a lot of people focus on leads you know, i'm getting all these leads well what i look at is how many deals are you getting and how much are those deals worth? You know, so if you're a wholesaler, what are the fees you're generating off the deals, not the leads? So, you know, you might have a thousand leads coming in, but they're only generating one or two deals that are worth, you know, $10,000. You might have another medium where 50 leads are coming in, but they're generating, you know, 10 deals and they're worth $20,000. So that's where people can get lost in the numbers. And that's what I really like to drill down on because that's what you want to pour gasoline on. And then you want to understand once you know where the most profitable deals are coming from and how many leads it takes to get those deals, then you can really start drilling down and maximizing the efficiency of your, uh, you know, of your marketing channels. And, you know, so you want to focus on that first and go backwards. Everything in business is reverse engineered. You know, everything I do in business, I look at the end result and then I reverse engineer it back. You know, that's a marketing plan after repair value, same thing. When you're flipping a house, yeah, yeah. So you know, reverse engineering everything. So just like the after repair value of a house on a wholesale or a flip, same thing with your marketing. You want to reverse engineer it. You know, how much are my deals worth? What channel are they coming from? Direct mail, pay per click, 
cold calling, um, you know, door knocking, driving for dollars, whatever it is, and then reverse engineer from there. So then you can drill back into how many leads does it take to get there? And then you'll know what your most cost-effective method is because you're going to reach diminishing returns of whatever you're doing and you want to track it geographically. So mm. not only what medium is it coming from, but what part of the city, town, county geographically is it coming th from? Because you don't want to just shotgun a zip code or, or an area, you know, and then find out that all your deals are coming from one little hub and then all the mail you've been sending out on the residual peripheral, you know, isn't generating anything. So you can really start drilling down on those things. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that with PPC, especially doing managing the accounts that we manage uh, yeah. you know, across the board, seeing that we're in, in certain, within even certain markets, there's pockets where, you know, people are paying in, uh, for the clicks and getting those leads, but they never turn into deals. But there's other pockets yeah. where almost every one of those leads turns into deals. And it's like, if, if you've only got so much of a budget for those clicks, you want to put that towards the geographic area producing the deals and not the one that's not. And yeah, that's what yeah, you're you saying. Be scientific right? about it, because yeah, exactly, because it's getting expensive, you know, to do these things. So, you want to make sure that you know where where your most profitable deals are coming from, and then you'll know what you need to spend and what's appropriate, and you can really start tracking, you know, the maximum limits on that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, the follow up, you know, so that's really the key. So, uh, especially with your um, higher volume, lower conversion mediums, meaning direct mail. Right now, you're about, you know, average, I think industry average is about a 0.8, you know, 0.7 in some markets response rate on direct mail. So you're going to have to get a lot of those leads coming in to get good deals, right? So, but just because those leads weren't good deals right now, necessarily, they could be down the road. So you want to save all those and you want to maximize every lead that comes in. So I always teach everybody a couple of things I train on. And, and this is like a, you know, good nugget here that a lot of people don't think about. Whenever you get a seller on the phone, you want to be a transaction engineer. So you're either buying at a discount so that you can wholesale or flip. If there's no equity and you can't buy at a discount. Hold on, we, we got it cut, it cut out there again. So you said if uh, you can't get equity or something like that and you're not buying at a discount. Yeah, if, if there's not enough equity in the deal uh, for you to buy and flip or wholesale, then you know you want to have a realtor referral source ready so that you can refer that deal to a realtor and get a marketing fee or a finder's fee from the realtor so you're either going to buy the discount that can wholesale and flip refer it to a realtor and you want to have buyers that do rent to own lease options subject to and you want to have that buyer pool so that you know it may be a potential for them so if the owner uh, doesn't want to list they don't have enough equity for you to buy or wholesale then the question is, well, would you be interested in an owner finance or, or a rent to own situation? Owners understand rent to own. They're, they don't understand lease option, you know, all the time, but they understand rent to own. So you want to have that buyer pool ready so that you can, you know, offer that as well. And then. All right. So, you know, anybody, anybody watching this video <laughs> on YouTube is going to see that uh, Greg has teleported himself instantly into a hotel. I don't know how he did it, but we're going to try to ask him, find out how it is. That's going to save us all tons of time. But so what had happened before we had some of our technical difficulties there where, where you were talking about, you know, making sure that, you, you know, you're a transaction engineer, that you maximizing what you can do with the leads that come in. Right. Profit from them one way or the other. And, and where we had cut off, I think, was where you were talking about, you know, when people have multiple, you know, properties to, to possibly sell. Is that right? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, so anything. So if you're with a seller, you, you know, you're either buying at a deep discount so that you can wholesale or flip. And if there's not enough equity for that, then you want to have a relationship with realtors so that you can refer that for a listing and get a marketing fee from a realtor or a finder's fee. You can't get a commission if you're not licensed. And then you want to have your buyers that do lease options, rent to owns, subject to. So the conversation with the seller is, you know, hey, would you be willing to rent to own? Um, they understand that. Sellers understand rent to own. And then that way you can maximize that. And then at the end, we talked about uh, what else, where else? So at the end of every conversation with the seller, whether you're buying the property or not, whether there's a deal or not, you always want to ask the last question. Do you know anybody else? Do you have any other property you'd like to sell? Commercial, residential land, we buy everything. Or do you know anybody else that has a property they'd like to sell? And they might say, hey, yeah, my boss has a building, has a house. Oh, yeah, I was getting my car fixed the other day. And they said they wanted to sell the, the auto mechanic shop. I was, you know, you just never know. When you ask that question, it toggles things in people's heads. They don't automatically think to just bring up. They say, oh, yeah, you know, I own a, land, I own a piece of land over here, you know, or I have another house that I'm renting over there. So do you have any other property that you'd like to sell, commercial, residential land, we buy everything, or do you know anybody else who's selling? So that, that uh, right there is huge that, you know, everybody I coach, none of them are asking that question. Hmm. Or at least yeah, they weren't. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. And that's yeah. And, and, and how long does that take to do? I mean, really? Yeah, it's just the last thing you ask. You keep it on your list to make sure that you don't forget. And you'd be surprised how many deals you get out of that. So the two things today, really, the two big things are, you know, look at your data, understand, reverse engineer where your most profitable transactions are coming from, uh, marketing channels and geographic locations. And what else, where else? Do you have any other property you'd like to sell or do you know anybody else who wants to sell or, or it's mentioned to you that they have a property they'd like to sell? And those two things right there will... I mean, you'll add 50% to your business right off the top just for those two, those two things right there. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, now, you had talked about people reverse engineering, looking at their numbers. Is there a certain threshold that you feel like people need to be at, a certain number of deals or something to be able to have an accurate representation of what they're actually producing from the different channels? You know what I mean? Like uh, if you've got one deal that was a home run, you wholesale there for 40 k uh, from something and then you've got 10 deals from something else where it's averaged out to like, you know, 8,000. And so you go all in on this thing, but you didn't have necessarily enough data that 40,000 was a fluke or an yeah. outlier. You know, do you have any, any uh, recommendations for that sort of situation? You want to identify the patterns and the, the numbers are going to show you the pattern. So yeah, you're going to have those outliers where you're going to hit a home run here or there, but there could be something to that. So that one that generated 40, where did it come from? Who was the seller? What type of house was it? What neighborhood? So you might uncover a pattern there by looking at a deeper level of everything involved in that transaction. What was the seller? Were they, were they a widow? Were they divorced? Were they, you know, retiring? Are they downsizing? Was it vacant? You know, was it a $200,000 house? Was it a $400,000 house? So, you know, you really want to drill down into that and then hopefully it'll happen again at some point. So then you can really start to, you know, dial in those metrics and, and try to figure it out. So, um, same thing with the other side, the lower volume, lower ticket, you know, deals, but they're higher volume. Same thing. What type of house, what type of seller, what type of area, you know, all of that stuff. So when you're looking at data, it goes to a very, very deep level for you to really fully understand more than just, you know, what kind of marketing you're sending and tracking every single piece of marketing with a different tracking number, different tracking medium, even your website stuff, you know, everything should be separately tracked differently so that you can, you know, all the way down to that seller and everything so that you're marking all of the characteristics of that transaction. Mm. 
gold, pure gold. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it. Like, I, I don't know that that's ever crossed my mind as far as, you know, we got these certain deals from, you know, organic website or something. It's like home run deals. Okay, well, that, that's, that's the, the marketing channel and campaign or whatever that, that brought that deal in. And, uh, you know, there's another, there's another level to this, like you just mentioned, though, another dimension of it, uh, where, you know, it's the motivation. It's not just the marketing, it's the motivation, because if you can target in other ways through other channels, that specific motivation, you know, I think that maybe there's something a little bit more there. Yeah. I mean, that's something yeah. that, that could be very helpful. Yeah. Because the yeah, home runs. Me, yeah. Yeah. For me, the biggest chunks have come from estate properties, you know, vacant properties that are, that are inherited, that are in poor shape. Those have always been my best. And, you know, another gold nugget across the board, almost everybody everywhere in the country will tell you that, that estate properties, probate properties, especially vacant are mm -hmm. usually the most profitable deals, yeah. but they're also the hardest to get and the hardest to get to. Yeah. No sweat equity usually, right? Yeah easy for people to sell for less and just be done with it because it was a windfall or yep. something that yeah. they just want to get money for. Yeah. Yeah. It's found money. Nobody wants to deal with it. The family's fighting. They just want to get rid of it. And you come along, Hey, I'm closing a week. No, no issues, no whatever. And you know, those, those for me, uh, pretty much anywhere I've ever been have always been the best deals. And, uh, yeah. and then even deeper beyond into the metrics. So let's say you're a virtual wholesaler. So I take people that are wholesaling, um, and they want to go virtual, you know, and again, virtual, a lot of people think virtual is some, you know, system where you can be in a beach chair somewhere and you never talk to anybody or touch anything. And it's like virtual reality. Virtual just means you're investing in another market where you're not physically located. That's all that means. You know, so you're just investing outside your area, outside your territory, or you're wholesaling and outside your area and your territory. Um, and the things you want to look at there, if you're really scaling your operation. So a couple of other metrics I help people take a look at KPIs is if you're, if you have a team and you, whether they're virtual or, or in-house and you've got a, a team of assistants, you've got acquisition managers and disposition managers and things like that. Um, what I like to track is what is the, um, you know, amount of time that transacts between or the trans that, uh, you know, transpires between the time you talk to a seller and the time an offer is sent and the time you get it back and the time you get it under contract. So you can really start drilling down on performance, right? So once you have a team, you want to start uh, having performance standards and metrics that you can measure. So I look at that. So by the time that lead comes in, how long does it take for that acquisitions manager to fire off an offer? How long does it take to get it back? How long does it take to get it under contract? And you can really start identifying some patterns there in the performance of your team in terms of how well they're doing mm -hmm. and measuring it against other people and other investors out there and things like that. So you know, those, I mean, I'm telling you, data is huge. Data is huge. And what it does for you is it builds a predictable business that you can count on that, you know, if you put X amount of dollars in, you're going to get X amount of dollars out time and time again. So it, it just becomes a game almost, you know, so that to me is a true, you know, virtual outsourced, almost a passive investment type of business. You know, I mean, when you look at what you spend in dollars to generate the revenue on the back end with the data and the metrics and the measurements, that becomes a passive investment at the end of the day. Yeah. And like you said before, the numbers don't lie. So when things start to change, numbers start to change and you get early indicators that there's a problem within your organization yeah. or what's going on with your market. You can find out where like ding, ding, ding. Hey, this needs attention over here. Let's dig into it. Find out what's going on. 
you know, instead of waiting till everything comes tumbling down, you know, find out that you had an acquisitions person that was canceling all the appointments, you know, or yeah, or yeah, you like can pivot quick and, and shift quick. And that works in any business. You know, we're just talking about investing. And I work with, you know, different types of companies. Um, you know, yours, in your case, it was a software company. And, uh, you know, I've got some builders, I've got some uh, retail businesses, I've got some restaurants. This works in any business. You reverse engineer where your dollars, your customers, your net profits are coming from and you go backwards. And if you measure every single thing in your business, it really gives you an inside look so that you can react and pivot and stay ahead of the game and more importantly, cut off what's not working quickly. That's what kills business. That's what kills investors. That's why people give up. They don't track what's going on. They think, man, I'm getting all these leads, but I'm not getting any deals. This business doesn't work. Well, what kind of leads are you getting? Where are they coming from? Who's this, you know? Once you start going down that, you can fix things really quickly. And I've got, you know, a client I'm working with right now that, you know, had some difficulty. We started really tracking what he was doing, what he was looking at. And he wasn't looking at where are my dollars coming from. He was just looking at where my lead's coming from. He says, man, mm -hmm. I'm doing this thing. I'm getting all these leads. I'm like, hey, that's great. You're talking to 4,000 sellers. How many deals? Well, you only got a couple. Well, how much were they worth? Well, you know, it was only worth this. So, you, you know, you can really rein things in and refine and hone in on what you're doing. And, you know, it's different in different markets. And that's what's really cool about it. Yeah. And that, you just brought up a point, too. It's like talk to 4,000 4, sellers to end up with a couple of deals. And, and seeing, you know, it's, it's, it's also, yeah, the, the manpower and, and the, the brain power and, and all of that to, uh, to put those deals together sometimes for different marketing channels can be vastly different where you're killing yourself to put together a couple of deals with one of them. And the other one, you know, like PPC typically where, you know, the people are looking for you. They know they have a problem. They've got a property. They want to sell it. They're okay with selling a discount. They're ready to go. Right. And so it's just like weighing out. Okay. Well, maybe it'll cost a little bit more, but at the end of the day, our business will be able to do more because it's not killing us to get each one of those. Right. And it's, it's easier on your staff. It's easier on everybody. And what I help people do is I would rather you do a hundred deals and make a million dollars than 500 deals to make a million dollars. But in the industry, everybody's focused on number of deals, number of transactions. That's what the measurement is. And, you know, I can spend a million dollars to generate 500 deals and not make any money. So that's the other side of the coin that a lot of people aren't looking at with people out there that, you know, are, are just focused on transactions. And, you know, it's funny. So wholesaling is a lot like the real estate brokerage industry. The real estate brokerage industry is all about transactions, right? And the old school teaching of real estate was you just focus on your transaction count and the dollars will follow, you know, from a commission standpoint. And, you know, I mean, that's true to a sense in the real estate transaction world, every transaction generates a commission, but I mean, would you rather do a hundred, you know, deals with $2,000 commissions or, you know, a handful of deals with $20,000 commissions. So when you really start to focus and rein in and hone in, forget about the transaction count, focus on the end result. How much a commission are you generating off these houses? And let's go after those. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing, knowing the numbers, right. And having that from the get go. And, you know, I think that's important for, for new investors to, to understand too, because it, you know, it might be the thinking of, well, I'm not even you know, generating enough to start measuring that stuff. And that's the, that's the point where you start needing to you know, start from the beginning and measuring it so that you can continue on. And, and even in the beginning, you know, it's so much more important that you capitalize on every single lead that comes in and you know what you're doing because, you know, things can, can turn south for you pretty quick because you don't have that war chest of, of revenue coming in. 
Yeah, and the fewer deals you're doing, the deeper you can dive on the data and the transaction and the, and the where they're coming from and all that. You, you have more time. So I say start from the beginning. I teach everybody to set the system up from the beginning, get in the habit of tracking from the beginning, have that system in place so you can track everything so that as you grow and you scale, it's just part of your DNA and it's what you do and you can make intelligent decisions with your money moving forward and, uh, and really maximize what you're doing. Because really at the end of the day, what I teach people to do is how to build businesses that uh, run on autopilot, not without you. You can't go away for months and ignore your business. You got to pay attention. But it, it, I teach them how to set up a business that will operate without them being daily involved in it, as long as they're still uh, managing the data, watching the numbers, because that's really what it boils down to. Uh, and you're still the leader at the end of the day. So you still have to give your team what they need, you know, and you got to be that leader for them and be there for them and encourage and support and motivate and manage and delegate. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you want to create a business that runs on autopilot that generates cash flow that you can invest in other assets so that at some point you truly can step back and you've got all this passive income coming in that you know you're maybe you're writing mortgage checks and you know utility bills and that's about it yeah and you brought up another side of this and this is why you know i ended up reaching out to you for coaching was and this was basically the topic of the last episode that we did together is basically you know you kept repeating i'm a leader delegator motivator right I'm a leader, delegator, motivator. So it's not just looking at these numbers, tweaking numbers, stuff like that. It's thinking in terms of, even if it's just you and one other person in your business, you know, always seeing yourself as that, right? Because, you know, the plan is not to always be working in the business. You're going to get burned out. You know, it's to, to have that in mind that that's real, really where the, the goal should be uh, is to be that leader, delegator, motivator. And to always remember that that is a part of your role. And, you know, this, this idea that, because I've made this mistake in the past, probably multiple times, and yeah, multiple times, where it's, you know, we get to the point and I'm going to lay back and, and abdicate and, and have somebody in a position and, and just expect that they're going to take it and run with it and, and do the delegating, motivating, and, you know, leading and everything. And, and you know, it just didn't work out very well because I, <laughs> you know, I, I was the one at the top. I was supposed to be the one doing that. And so that's yeah. a huge, huge lesson for a lot of people. It is. And, you know, and, you know, my mantra is, you know, not work on the business uh, instead of in the business. I'm work on the people in your business. So they work on the business for you. So it's all about developing yourself. So this is what I do more than anything else is I develop leaders. Um, I teach people how to become leaders so that they in turn can develop and teach their people how to become leaders so that they work on the business for you. And that's truly when you've arrived. That's when you have a business that runs on autopilot, a business that you can walk away from that can and should run better without you than it does with you. The true mark of a great leader is how well the organization runs without them. And the, you know, also what do your people say about you? So whenever I interview people in my companies over the years and in my history, and even now with clients, I say, look, talk to my people, talk to my, you know, uh, trade partners, my vendors, my subs, my direct employees. You want to know who I am. You want to know what kind of leader I am. When we're done with this interview, I'm going to leave the office. You go talk to all of my people. And then you'll know exactly who you're dealing with. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of confidence to do that, right? And um, it takes the right kind of leader to be able to do that. So that's what I've always focused on, developing other people, uh, turning them into leaders so that they have ownership and accountability for what they're doing in their different areas. And they work the business for you, build the business for you. And you just create that culture of ownership within the company. But at the end of the day, you still have to be that leader. You still have to be the one providing the vision, 
providing the tools, training systems, the support, and the clear direction and the accountability. So you'll never get away from that. You've always got to do that as long as you have an organization involving people, unless and until you turn that over to somebody else completely and you're out of the picture. And, you know, that can be done too, but you got to bring up the right individual and or bring in the right individual to do that. So those are the types of things that I do and I help people do. I've worked with you on and, uh, you know, you've, had, you've seen the results of that personally and, uh, you know, how quickly that can change your organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the beautiful thing about all of this is, you, you work with a lot of top investors across the country and you know, a lot of guys that have had a lot of experience have gone through a lot, you know, been through market crash and all kinds of stuff, come back, learned a lot of things, but then still aren't really doing these things that make a great business. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, I, I love that because what that tells me is if you're one of the few that does it in your market, you know, what's that going to do for you? I mean, right. Like, you know, if, if almost nobody else is looking at it in this way and actually doing it, right? Yeah. So many people will pay lip service to it. Yeah, I'm tracking that, but maybe they tracked it two years ago and are still going off of those numbers. Yeah. You know? you know, it's really easy. You get comfortable, you got volume, you got transactions. And again, everybody in the industry flipping and wholesaling, it's all about how many transactions, how many deals you're doing, how many deals you're doing. And, you know, and even in business, you know, what's your sales volume? You know, sales cures all, right? Sales doesn't always cure all profitable sales cures all. So as your organization grows in sales and transaction, your, your profitability should be growing exponentially with it. And your expenses, if you think the accordion theory, your expenses should be shrinking uh, exponentially quicker than your sales are growing and vice versa. If you have to contract and adapt, then, you're, then if your sales are shrinking, then you know if you imagine an accordion, the bottom half of the accordion, your expenses uh, should be shrinking that much faster. So when you're looking at those numbers and the data, you, like you said earlier, you can adapt so much quicker to market cycles. And our market's changing. You know, we're, we're at a peak pretty much all across the country. And if and when a, a slowdown hits, it's going to hit fast, just like it did before. And if you're spending, you know, $50,000, $100,000, which some of my clients are, in marketing, that can hit you pretty quick. Because you might have a bad month or two where you're going to be like, you know, we got to stay consistent. We got to stay consistent, which you do. You can be at where you've spent 300 grand pretty quick with no deals coming in, and all of a sudden the market has shifted, and then you're caught. You got this huge overhead, you've already spent 300, then what do you do? You know, so you got to be, if you watch that data, you can, it's predictive analytics, right? So you can predict what's going to happen and when much better when you're watching that data on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, not just once a week, once a month, every couple of months. And knowing to a T, just like you tell people, hey, you got to know your market. How many properties are on the market? How long have they been on the market? How many under contract? How many days? How many have sold? How long were they on the market? What did they sell? List price to ask price? All the way down to the neighborhood, street, and block, right? So the same thing with your data, like we talked about. Seller type of house, you know, situation, all these different things. You really got to track every single thing at every single level because as the market changes, it's going to affect different sellers differently. So you want to know and be able to predict the trends. It's more important, and I'll say this, this is another huge thing. Everybody thinks, you know, buy at the bottom. You got to know the bottom. You know, it's more important to know the top and be able to get out at the top than it is to buy at the bottom. I can buy, you know, at the, I can buy at the lowest level in the market, but if I don't get out at the right point, I ain't going to make any money. So I can buy at the deepest discount, but if I wait too long to sell or if I'm not timing that market at the top right, then, you know, I'm in trouble. So you can always get out when it's time to sell. You got you to, you know, you got to know the top. Uh, and it's more important to know the top than it is to know the bottom. And 
you know, knowing what to do is valuable, but knowing what not to do is even more valuable. So, you know, those are a couple of things to always keep in mind. The data will show you what not to do. Nice. Nice. So when, when somebody starts working with you, you know, how, how hard has it been for some of them to be able to, to look at that data, to actually pull that data and really get those numbers. Have you found any situation where, you know, they just tell you, I'm sorry, just the way we're doing things, there's no way for me to do that. No, I mean, some people have, you know, so a lot of the people I'm working with have the right systems. They've got software that, that's helping to manage that. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're doing a spreadsheet, you're going to wear yourself out, but you can do it with a spreadsheet. But um, almost everybody I'm working with, I'm just trying to think if I have anybody that's not, are tracking things. They're just not thinking of it the way we're talking about. They're not tracking it to the level and to the degree that we're talking about. They're, like I said, they know, hey, I've got, you know, 500 leads coming in, but they didn't think about well, wait a minute, how many of those turned into deals? And by the way, how much were those deals worth? So that's the trends that I'm finding is that they might be tracking it, but they're not looking at it that way. And they're not looking at it to the detail of, you know, what type of seller, what's their age, what's the house look like, what's, you know, all that kind of stuff. What's the condition, you know, those types of things. So, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't found anybody that's doing any kind of level of volume that's not tracking something to some degree. So we just help them look at all the other areas they need to add to it, not you know, not um, stuff that they don't need to be tracking, but the right things. Hmm. So have you, have you had any pushback on, on anything from investors that you thought was interesting where, where people were saying, Hey, yeah, I don't, I don't think I need to do that. Is there anything that stands out in your mind? No, they're like instant. They're on an instant. They're <laughs> like, man, I need to start doing that right now. Let me, you know, so they're like, as we're talking, they're setting it up you know, writing it down. So no, everybody, the light bulb goes off. They're like, wow, this is huge. Cause they get it. You know, the world that we're in today, it's about information. It's about data. It's about, you know, big data, predictive analytics. It's about, you know, artificial intelligence. And, you know, you're almost creating with that, you know, your own version of an AI system. Uh, and that's just where it's at in this day and age. So I haven't had anybody that's given any pushback on that at all, you know, and, and that's, what's cool about what I do is everybody's situation is different. Everybody's market's different. I've got people doing, you know, three, four, 500 deals a year. I've got people doing, you know, 50 to hundred deals a year. And I've got one or two that are kind of just starting out on the, you know, retail flip side or on the wholesaling and flipping side, but they've had success in other businesses and they're experienced and they know real estate. So uh, maybe they're like buy and hold people and they're switching, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm not working with total beginners, you know, because my program is you know, pretty high level. So um, it's not really conducive to that. People got to have some sort of deal flow underneath of them before they could really maximize where I'm going to take them. But, um, you know, and everybody's different. I've got some people that are totally outsourced on their, on their labor. I've got some that are in-house and they prefer that. So it's kind of all over the board. I don't tell anybody what to do and say, you. well, let me, let me rephrase that. I'm not telling anybody you have to do this. I'm just saying, Hey, you want to be great. And that's really where this conversation can go is, you know, do you want to be the best you can be? Do you want to be a great organization? You know, do you want to really be, like you said, the best in the business in your area and really be able to take advantage of the market cycle we're in right now and make the most amount of money with the least amount of time, energy, and effort possible? Nobody's ever said no to that. Right. <laughs> you know, because I haven't found anybody yet. Right. So what's the next stage, though? I mean, it, you know, you're looking at those numbers. You're, you're, you're dialing things in to make sure that, you know, where you're putting your energy and your money into the business producing the results, results that you want. Where do you take them next? in that 
So next is team building. So we find what's working and where, and then you pour gasoline on that fire and you scale it. And then you take it as big as you can take it because you're only going to be able to take it so big. You know, there is competition. There are other people and certain channels only work so well. And there's just only so many, only so many sellers in a market, right? Uh, but, you know, as you go along, there's so many sellers every year in each market. So we just maximize it. We put the pieces in place and we try to be as efficient as we can at every level of the operation. So I'm not a tinkerer. I don't like to mess with stuff for the sake of messing, but I like to make things as efficient as we possibly can. I'm not somebody who reinvents the wheel. None of this that I'm talking about is new. You know, this is all tried and true stuff in every industry across the board. Like I said, everything we're talking about is applicable in any business with any business model. So what we're doing is we're just opening up the awareness of people that may not have been business people like you. You know, you worked, you had a regular W-2 job. You know, you've never been in a position where you've, where you've had your own company and you've had to learn and look at these things. So we're just making people aware of what they didn't know. All you know is what you know and you don't know what you don't know. And we're just bringing that awareness to light. So once you've got the, the systems in place, then you just scale it. And then you go as far as you're comfortable going. So I'm not one of those guys that says, hey, you've got to 10x everything or you got to 2x everything. Or, you know, I say, what are you comfortable doing? Let's get you there. Because it's like railroad tracks, right? So you, you stand on a set of railroad tracks and you look down. You can only see so far. But once you get to that point, then you can see even further. So for some people, they get the whole 10x idea. And then other people get the whole, you know, they just want to do the next thing. And then once they get the next, get that done, then they see, wow, that wasn't that bad. Now I'm going here. So it just depends on the individual and what their personal goals are, what their comfort level is. And some people want to do as much as they can. And some just want to do something. So whatever that something is right now for them, we put that number down, we reverse engineer it, we dial in all the data so that we know how to get there and what it's going to take to get there. And that's what's cool about it. There's no guesswork. There's no if. It's if you're doing something now, you could do a lot more of it if you know what to do that's working. Mm. So it's really that. that simple. I mean, it's really that simple. Yeah. Uh, and where the challenge comes in is, finding the right people. Do you in-house? Do you outsource? You know, are you virtual? Do you have employees? You know, so those are the decisions. Some people like it in-house. Some people like it outsourced. There is no right answer. Everybody to each their own, you know, it just depends on what everybody wants to do. And, uh, and it depends on what the, what the task and the role is. There are some things that, uh, you know, that you, you, well, I mean, you can outsource everything nowadays. So there's really almost nothing that you have to have in-house uh, unless you're flipping at a large scale. Well, even that you can out, you know, your project manager, you, know, you got to have somebody kind of coordinate, mm -hmm. even if you're turnkey with contractors, you got to have somebody coordinating those that can be outsourced as well. So, I mean, almost anything can be outsourced now in a flipping wholesale business, yeah. um, you know, but it's just whatever the individual wants to do. Yeah. Well, and I like how you said that because it's not just, you know, every house flipper, every wholesaler wants to do this. And that's not really the case because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's really, I, I think, you know, more of us should take time to figure out what do we really want and what do we want things to really look like, not just in the business, but for, for us in general, and then building that business to create that lifestyle that you really want so that that's the goal and you don't get lost in trying to compare yourself to other people flipping more than you and stuff like that. So, yeah, I made a video about that the other day. You know, the hardest thing to do in life is figuring out what it is you really want. Once you've got that down, <laughs> you know, the rest is easy. You just work it backwards. And uh, everybody's different. And what creates stress, what creates strain on relationships and, you know, personal finances and all those other things are people doing things that they're not cut out to be doing. So you have to, you have to understand yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, your tolerances. You got to know how you're built and how you're wired and what, what it is you want to do. 
And, you know, not everything is right for everybody. Not everybody needs to get out of the W-2 industry and be self-employed. That isn't for everybody. But, you know, everybody can work a full-time job and do some real estate on the side or a business on the side and do that kind of thing. And, you know, so I'm not one that says, hey, you've got to quit your job to be wealthy and do this. You can work a W-2 job, invest on the side and still become wealthy. You're just going to take a little bit longer. And, you know, it's just a different mindset, different animal, but there's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, you know, I take people and help them understand and figure out what it is they want to do first and foremost. And then we go from there and it's built to their personality, to their tolerance. And then once we accomplish a thing, then, you know, then they might want to do the next thing. But, you know, I'm not out there saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, everybody's different and you got to be situational with, with everyone and their goals and their family and their needs and stuff like that. And I know at the end of the day, pretty much across the board, everybody would like to make a little bit more money and everybody thinks they'd like to make a little bit more money, but you know, there's a lot of things that go along with that. So, um, you know, it's all, it's all relative and it's all about, you know, I don't want to use the word balance because, you know, I don't even look at that really. I just look at what do you want to do? What are you comfortable doing? Let's get you there and then see where it goes from there. Nice. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And I highly recommend, uh, Greg, anybody out there listening, uh, to look into what, what he's offering regarding coaching. And, uh, you know, there, there's, I'm not an affiliate for Greg. I've just worked with him. I know, you know, what he's talking about. He knows and, and knows how to get that across to, to you, or at least to me and, and a lot of other people. So um, if anybody out there is, is interested in talking with you, how should they uh, reach out to you? So my website has all my info. I've got some great stuff on YouTube, uh, but my website, gregdickerson.com. Uh, all my contact info is on there. And, uh, you know, I do one-on-one coaching. I am going to start creating some courses. I've had a lot of people reach out, especially about development, commercial mm-hmm. real estate and development. There's not a lot of info out there about that. So I think I'm going to put put together some courses on that and, um, you know, some more accessible programming for that, to pe- for people to learn how to do commercial and, and do development. And then, uh, uh, you know, I'll probably make some stuff on flipping and wholesaling as well. And, you know, how to get started. That's a big one you know, how to get started in real estate. You get that from a lot of people. Hey, I'm in college or I'm this or that. And you know, how do I, how do I just get started? So, you know, there's a number of ways to do that. So I'll be coming up with some of that kind of stuff. But right now it's just one-on-one coaching. That's what I do. And, you know, it's very individual, custom tailored to whatever the individual is doing. And it's real estate as well as other businesses. And I'm, I'm active. Like you said, I've got some of the top uh, investors in the country that are syndicating, that are flipping, um, that are wholesaling. I've got other businesses I work with, um, contractors, restaurants, retail, software, um, you know, things like that. So uh, it's all, at the end of the day, a business is a business. The fundamentals are the same. You're talking about people, operations, profit, you know, so um, it, it all boils down to the same stuff. And where everybody gets hung up is in the same areas. How do I hire people? What do I do with them once I get them? And how do I keep them going? You know, and same thing with the business, you know, I know a lot of people know how to get started, know how to get something going. And it's easy to get to number one. It's easy to reach the top. The hard part staying there and staying interested and passionate while you stay there. So that's what I help people do. Nice. Yeah, well, well said. And uh, yeah, so everybody, if you are interested in talking with Greg, finding out more, just head to his website, gregdickerson.com. And um yeah. So thanks a lot, Greg, for being on the show again. Definitely got some stuff. I took some notes. I've got some inspiration from you from this one as well. So I have to get you on the awesome. show and I know you've got more to share, but uh, thanks so much. Yeah. For taking- sorry. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. Hopefully you can have some fun with a little bit of editing there yeah. <laughs> make it interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't too bad. So 
Yeah. All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk, talk real soon. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, enjoyed it. Day.